Firstly, please, I uh, hope my voice will last out. I was, uh, the last few days, uh, so this is much better actually than what it was yesterday. And the day before I lost it completely, which is like really inconvenient because I was speaking at a conference and uh, they had to endure a very husky voice for, for a little while. And, uh, you know, we talk about, I don't know about the father bit, about m- my involvement, but I felt incredible pride as a father would yesterday when Jez was speaking at the conference and uh, just, just sharing heart, really, in terms of what he and you are doing here in this, in this town. And, uh, you know, so I guess in that sense, I, I do feel an immense sense, in, in the right way, immense sense of pride in terms of what is going on and it's exciting to see. And I loved what happened a month back in the Chinford Rec when I heard about that and look forward to what is happening next week and uh, as I hear the stories. So please continue to to buy into that, uh, the, the generosity thing. Who wants to be blessed by God? Yeah? Okay, who doesn't? Okay, let's put it away. Who doesn't want to be blessed by God? No one. Who wants to be blessed by God? Okay, God promises blessing. And I've come to this position, I understand that somehow in the big economy, kingdom economy, which makes no human sense whatsoever, is that God wants to bless us and through our generosity, God blesses. As we let go of stuff, as we let go of the things, our hands are open and God comes and blesses. And that's like a real big challenge for some people. You know, it's like Jez talks about the overflow fund, which I absolutely agree with. Uh, some of you are in a position where you just go, do you know what, I'm living on benefits. I've only got like five pounds left to buy stuff and it's really tough. And I understand that. I remember a time when I wasn't on benefits, but I was on a very low income. But we still said, God, I'm going to trust you in this. And actually, the number of times that we said, come on, this is painful, this is difficult, but we're going to do it, as we opened up our hands, God came and he blessed us. And so from a personal point of view, sometimes it's helpful. Uh, It's not about me. I'm just trying to be obedient to what I believe God is saying in the Bible. So uh, we as a family, or me and my wife, we give 10% gross uh, straight away into the life of the church. Why into the life of the church? Because that's what I believe God has called me to do. Uh, us to do that I, I, you know I want to support I want to bless I want to give what you know that we're committing ourselves to and then on top of that the overflow bit is that there's another couple of percent two percent that we just put into an overflow fund okay that we just got this is just a giveaway okay so that's another two percent of gross that we just want to give away so when situations come we heard only this week that there was a single mum who was having to move house. She was moving house. The carpets were in a terrible place. Someone just said, oh, we want to buy some carpets. And immediately we were in a position to be able to say, here's some money towards the new carpets. And other people were able to join in on that as well. It just enables you to do that in that place where you say, God, okay, you prompt me. You just prompt me. My daughter, a little while ago, was working uh, with Live Village, uh, an orphan an amazing place out in South Africa. She was actually on tour back in the UK with the choir that was touring around the country. And at the end of it, they were going to stop off in Dubai as they returned to South Africa. And uh, they really wanted Beth to go with her. She was fairly pivotal to the whole kind of like, you know, looking after the kids and, and the costumes and everything. You know, she, so for the last previous six months, she'd been hand washing all of these African tunics. And so she was pivotal to what was going on. And uh, she, they said, we want you to come, but we don't have any money for you. Pray for this, pray for this. And she said, no, I'm believing that God's going to sponsor me uh, to be able to go to Dubai. And uh, we as parents were going, well, are we the solution? As parents like to come in. But we were just going, well, we will be the solution. We can step in. And uh, as she was praying about this, someone came to her and said, God has prompted me to give you some money to buy for a flight. 
And uh, because he was in a position, this lady four months early who said, start putting £100 away a month until the point where I tell you to go and give that away. And then four months later, she said, can you see that girl? I want you to go and give the money to her. That is amazing. So Beth is in this place where she is super blessed by God. The person who's putting the money to one side is also super blessed because she realizes that God's plan four months early was to start to line this up so four months later she could bless someone. Just how God works. So who wants to be blessed by God? I want to be blessed by God. And honestly, it doesn't make any sense in a kingdom way, but it's very biblical, incredibly biblical. And I want to take this point where I'm going to trust God and I'm going to believe God. And I want to grow in this generosity. And I'm not going to tip God by having a bucket out the back. I'm going to genuinely, from, because generosity is always an issue of the heart, it's always an issue of stewardship, and it's always an issue of faith. Okay? It's always those three things. But it's not mine. I'm just a steward of what God has given to me. God, help me to steward this well. Okay, and as I steward this well, and as I let go of this, you will trust me with more. So if you can trust me with a hundred, you'll trust me with a thousand. If you trust me with a thousand, you'll trust me with a ten thousand. If you trust me with a ten thousand, you'll trust me with a hundred thousand. Trust me with a hundred thousand, you'll trust me with a million. Okay, he hasn't yet. Okay, he hasn't trusted me with that yet. I'm not sure Graham's quite up to that level of trust just yet. But there's a heart thing here. God, this is about you. I, you know, I want to. I want to live how you want me to live. And I want to do this. And as a result of that, I get blessed. I get super blessed. And uh, I look back and somebody once said, those who tithe, okay, are always blessed. Those who tithe always say that they're blessed by God. Those who don't tithe always say they can't afford it. And I felt challenged when I heard that. So God, I want to trust. Now, some of you are in a position where you can't quite do that. Okay, well, start. Is there a strategy? Is there a plan? Okay, and I get that and understand that circumstances, yeah, it's great, I'm fine for you in like, you know, your big posh house and stuff like that and you, and you can't, and it's really tough for me, I've got a number of kids, uh, I'm not in a full-time job at the moment, I'm, you know, even aiming towards food bank and things like that, I understand that, honestly, and I don't want to put the pressure under you, but, uh, but there is something of the blessing of God that he wants to release that into you so that you can overspill and bless the community you're part of, so, uh, you know, that, that's just a freebie right there, so... That's generosity in itself. Okay, and I haven't lost my voice just yet. Okay, so have you ever been engrossed in a movie or a book? Okay, you picked up a book and you're reading it. And I remember reading a biography a few years ago. By the end of it, tears were rolling down my face. And Linda was, my wife was going... Oh, what are you reading? Is she read it? She wasn't moved at all. So how could you not be moved? But, but usually Belinda is like the most emotional person. You know, she can watch a Sky ad, uh, an advert for Sky movies on the television, and by the end of the advert, she will be in tears. There was one recently where there was like a, a little girl was sitting with her mum watching the sound of music, and then the little girl got a little bit older watching the sound of music, and the little girl became a teenager, and teenager, you know, all the piercings and stuff like that, sat down next to the mum to watch the sound of music, and then the mum was watching the sound of music on her own, and then through the doorway from her travels came the daughter, and this is like, and then, and then the final shot was the mother and the daughter with the granddaughter, and Blinda was watching this. It like, took about two minutes, and she was just in floods of tears, partly because she loves the sound of music, and I think she's just dreaming for the grandchildren stage, which is, well, at least the grandchildren stage. Anyway, so anyway, we're not anywhere near that at the moment. So, uh, really engrossed. So we were watching a film the other week, 
And it's kind of a bizarre, bit of a quirky film. And it took us a little bit of time to get into it. We usually have this room. If we don't rule that, if we don't like it after 10 minutes, we just switch it off, okay? Why waste two hours of our life watching something which we just regret? Anyway, it took us a little bit longer than 10 minutes. It's borderline where we should carry on watching it. We carried on watching it. And then we got, okay, we got into it, and there was two lead characters. This woman fell in love with a man, and a man, woman, man fell in with a, uh, love with a woman. And wow, this is like, oh, this is great. It's all kind of going to this beautiful moment in the film. And the bloke stands up, falls down the hole, and he dies. <laughs> no! We got. What? Where did that come from? And it's like, that wasn't meant to end like that. But, but we stepped in. We stepped into the story. We got engrossed with what was going on. Super involved. Okay, now I, I'm going to go into a story in a minute in John chapter 9, okay, which I know some of you will be familiar. Some of you. This is like, you've never heard anything out of the Bible at all. Well, I'm going to tell you a story in a moment, which uh, is just amazing. It's just brilliant. Some of you have heard this story before. You go, yeah, that's pretty cool. Look, this is amazing, okay, where Jesus actually steps into someone's life. And it's John chapter 9. Okay, I'm going to set the scene. Okay, Jesus, with his followers called the disciples, who are walking, literally walking along the street. Could be any everyday street. This could be Seaford High Street, okay? Which oddly isn't the high street in Seaford. But it could be Seaford High Street. What's the real, real name? Broad Street is the high street, okay? Not the high street, but Broad Street. And you could be walking down Broad Street, and you're there. This could be any moment situation. And it's great seeing the pictures of Bill up on the air doing the balloon modeling. But imagine Bill, you know, Bill, I'm just going to comment on you because obviously you're blind and you've been blind for, for many years. And it's great to get to know Bill and get to know Bill's story and to hear that in his story and how the goodness of God and how his faith in God has endured and kept strong within that through all these trials. But imagine Bill is down Broad Street and Jesus is walking by and the disciples say... Okay, look to Bill, and they say, look, look, that man over there, okay? What's caused his blindness? Was it his sin, or was it his parents' sin that caused the blindness? Let's look at it, John chapter 9. Now, I'm trying to get into the story. Bill, I hope you don't mind. I'm trying to get into the story here, because I want to get into, not here, but I want to get into Bill's story, because there's, there's, there's others, Bill's, in and around our community, and I want to connect in and understand So John chapter 9, verse 1, as Jesus passed by, he saw a blind man who had been blind from birth. His disciples said, Rabbi, teacher, who has sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents that he was born blind? So simply walking along the street. Whose fault is it? See, I am abled. I'm an abled body person, so I don't understand some of the difficulties that Bill has experienced in his life. What is simple for me is not simple. What what I find straightforward, I just get on and do it, isn't that straightforward. And I want us to step into this story. Because this happened a couple of thousand years ago in an environment where actually there wasn't even the support system that is hopefully in place around people now, was not in place by then. In fact, there was a culture and a stigma that was attached to disability. And this man was left, in a sense, on the dependency on the charity of people who walked by. Now, we can be in the same position. 
I was in Brighton a few weeks ago. A bloke came up to me and said, buy a big issue, buy a big issue. And my first reaction was, no, I won't. But I thought, oh, hang on, come on, what's a couple of quid out of my pocket to help this bloke with a big issue? And I said, do you want a copy of the big issue? No, actually, I don't even want a copy of the big issue. Well, that can be, you know, the, the, the stigma that is attached as to why are you selling the big issue? What's gone in your life? What are you doing with your life? Come on, pull your life together. And, and there's a danger is that actually as we step into, we can make actually quite a lot of judgments on people. And there can be a prejudice within us. You know, what has caused, who's caused this man's blindness? Is it his sin or his parents' sin? Now, the inference of that is that even within his mother's womb, that this man had somehow had sinned, which had possibly caused his blindness. There's a sensitivity and a care that needs to be around people. You know, but Jesus passed by, saw this man, tough life, he was begging. He's probably in his begging spot. Every day, probably delivered there, led there by his parents. The parents actually come into the story a little bit later on. And dependent on compassion from others. And that compassion, yeah, I've, I've been into situations like I've traveled out to South Africa and Zimbabwe recently. And you know, landed in Zimbabwe and immediately people were asking for money. And you can just get very compassion fatigued about that. You can watch a program on Channel 4 and the adverts come on and, and you see like the black and white images of the Syrian children coming out of, of, of atrocities and you're going, do you want to leave this Syrian child in this situation? You're, and you go, okay, yeah, yeah, let's just fast forward through that. And it's dead easy, isn't it, in our culture just to get very wearisome because of the need around, and what on earth can I do about this? What on me on my own, what difference can I make? I tell you to that one person, it can make a huge amount of difference. So when I was going to a restaurant, you know, in South Africa, overlooking the Indian Ocean, some bloke came up to me called Henry, and they said, I'm going to look after your car tonight. I don't, want any f- I don't want any money, but if you come out the restaurant with any leftover food, just remember me. And you go, oh, Henry, come on, let's go and let's just order a meal. And when we come back, and let's just, just go see, he and his wife live down on the beach. And, you know, I could just go, look, there's millions of Henrys in South Africa. But actually, for Henry, it kind of made a difference for him that one night. And I don't want to get, I, I don't want to be considered to be tight. I want to be remembered for being generous, even if it's foolish. You know, even if it doesn't make sense. Even if people say, oh, but if you do that, then it's just continuing the problem. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But for that one individual, it actually does change a little bit of his life. And so when it comes down to the individuals, so that's what we see in this story. Jesus just walking down Broad Street and he sees the blind man and his disciples say, whose fault is it? And Jesus, he doesn't reply, but he doesn't re- respond to that. But do you know what? We're living in a culture a little bit similar to that, about this blame culture. Who's to blame? I'm not sure. Is it just British culture? But we love to blame someone or everyone for anything that goes on. So if England don't win the World Cup, whose fault is that? Well, of course, it's Southgate's fault, okay? Just like when he missed a penalty in 1996 against Germany, well, of course, it's Southgate's fault. The reason I don't have enough money, well, that's my boss's fault. The reason I failed my exam, well, that's my teacher's fault. 
The reason the country's in such a mess, well, that's immigration's fault. The reason why this country is so divided, well, that's the referendum's fault. The reason why the NHS is failing, well, that's the government's fault. The reason why there's knife crime in London, that's society's fault. And the reason why I've put on weight is because of my wife's fault. <laughs> so we step into the story. Jesus is walking along everyday street, everyday broad street with his disciples, and he sees a blind man. Why is he blind? Who's to blame? Whose fault is it? Look at Jesus' reply, verse 3. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming. No one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay, so Jesus says it's neither the parents or his fault. It's so that the works of God might be displayed. If we only seek to blame, then we are shutting down the possibility of blessing. Rather than who can we blame, it's who can we bless in the moment. Rather than look at the problem, look at what God can do through you. You know that we're living in really divided times. It seems like everyone wants to blame and everyone wants to attack or everyone wants to march or everyone wants to post something online. It's their fault. My life would be better if it wasn't for them. I've mentioned trips to South Africa. We went to Live Village, which I look at and just blown away by this situation where hundreds of kids are coming in, where they're putting a roof over. The, the dream is to put a roof over every child's head and a mother who loves them and the knowledge of a heavenly father who loves them also. And I love the heart. I love the vision. It, it, it's, it, it's just an amazing testimony of God's love and God's kindness and how he catches up people like Titch and Joan, the founders of Live Village. Well, about 18 months ago, Live Village was attacked by, there's a township, it's right on the border of the township, and on the township, uh, the people came to the village and attacked the village. And they came with like their knives and their machetes, and they went through the outer perimeter fencing, and they got to the inner perimeter fencing, and they'd set alight some of the buildings, and they destroyed one of the factory units out on the, out of the, the Live Clothing Range factory was was destroyed by their, well, was seriously damaged by a result of their, their vandalism breaking in. And it came to the parameters, and, and, and for some reason they stopped on the outer perimeter, just thinking that, sorry, the inner perimeter, just inside these hundreds of kids have now been gathered together into kind of like a, a communal sports slash community area. Hundreds of kids in the middle of the night hearing the, these hundreds of people from the township who were demanding that Titch Smith should come to see them right now. And they said, why do you want to see Titch Smith? Because we want to kill him. And so Chester, who runs the organization, rang up Titch Smith and said, Titch Smith, you must come quickly. They want to kill you. It's like, no, that is probably not the best advice. Okay. But you look at it and you're going, why are these people marching in on, look, they're here to care, they're here to care for the vulnerable kids and stuff like that. And the game is said, because you are not looking after us like you were looking after these children. It's your fault. I'm blaming you. You're not, and I look at that from my Western eyes and I go, that doesn't make any sense at all. Where they're saying, you are, you are employing people who are not in our township. You should be employing us. It's your fault. Your fault why we're damaging this building. <laughs> Thankfully, Titch Smith didn't go. 
The, the police advised him not to. But now what they are trying to do is actually listen, response. What they could do, they could just, no, no, hang on a minute, it's your fault. And we're going to build a higher fence. Instead, what they decided to do was to put a community nurse down in on this, actually on the land where this uh, factory unit was making clothes. They've now turned it into a medical centre for the people who are in the township. And they're now looking at how can we, you know, so rather than going, you know, no, no, we can blame you, it's your fault. They're going, no, we're going to bless you. In the animosity and in the friction, is actually do the opposite of what is expected. Because that is the culture. Whose fault is it? Okay, if you just look to blame, then actually we're limiting the possibility of blessing. So those who exactly two years ago, I think to the day or to, to the day yesterday, who voted to say, let's leave Europe, well, let's look to bless those who ticked that box. And for those on that side of the fence who said, oh, look at all the struggles and the strife and the 100,000 people walking through the city and all those people who are trying to stop the will of the people, look, let's go the other way and let's bless. Because otherwise, all we're going to be doing is creating animosity within the world in which we're living in and God says, look, to bless, okay? Don't minimize it. However, Jesus says, don't play the game, blame game. You shut down the possibility of blessing. We're here to bless, we're not here to blame. We're people of blessing, not the people of blame. So that means we need to be looking intentionally to look for the opportunity to bless others. Now you might go, well, I can't change anything about the referendum. But you can change the person that you bump into in Primark. Or other shops are available in Seaford. But I mentioned Primark because it was a little while ago, in the earlier part of this year, that my wife was walking through the town centre of Eastbourne and she felt God say to her, I want you to go to Primark. Okay, so she went obediently to Primark and she said, oh, God, is she okay? I'm in Primark. Okay, go upstairs. Okay, and she went up on the escalators and there was a large queue and she says, uh, uh, and she felt God say to her, I want you to go and pay for someone's shopping. Okay, she was up for that. She was up for blessing and being generous. Love Eastbourne. Uh, let's go and love Eastbourne. So she got to the top of the escalator. She looked around, long queue, queuing up for the, uh, for, for the tills upstairs at Primark. And uh, there was this lady who was kicking off in the queue. Okay, she had little kids with her, two little kids, one in the push chair, and uh, somebody had looked at her, and I think something must have happened with the kids, and the mum must have replied or responded, and uh, you, know, uh, you know what it's like when sometimes in the heat of the moment you say something you don't want it to. Anyway, someone in that queue turned around and obviously looked in a little bit of a judgmental kind of like way. I know it's terrible as a parent when someone, you know, it's really tough sometimes, and somebody looks around and tut-tuts at you, and in effect someone had tut-tutted at her, and she took offence at this, and she went for this woman, and she said, who do you think you are? You do. Now the woman didn't just like go shy away, so the woman started to give it back. So in the queue, in Primark, this argument was going on, and God said to Blinda, I want you to go and pay for that lady's shopping. And Blinda's heart was like, I will pay for anyone else's shopping in the queue, but not that lady's. But that wasn't really a heart, but, but actually that's what, you know, and then, okay, all right, God, all right, all right, I will. And anyway, the queue carried on. And it's just ironic, as, as the queue went on, this lady just reached across and picked up some more tops and put it into the basket. And she got nearer, so the double the quantity. And then got to the till, and then, the, then, she, then this woman fell out with the woman at the till uh, as well. It was like going, oh, no. And then Blinda was like hovering in the background with, with card in hand, ready to pay for this. And anyway, it all came to the point when Blinda suddenly said, do you mind if I pay for your shopping? And this woman just looked at her, like, why? Why do you want to do that? And Blinda just said, look, it looks like you're having a tough day. I just want to bless you. All right, then. That's it. 
Now, I don't know of any outcome of that. The woman didn't burst into tears and say, oh, I love you and I love Jesus. And no idea. But rather than look to blame, look to bless. Opportunities all around us all the time. Uh, we ran an event recently, just I love this. Uh, it was our alternative Halloween event, so that would be uh, what, October, November time. And on that, Oh, anyway, our older people and our young kids, and they have grandparents' days and stuff. So anyone can kind of come along to it, bring a kid and have fun. And uh, Lady Go Terry, one of the leaders, suddenly saw a young mum who was sitting down who was just looking like w- really weary. All right? The kids were running around, lots of activities, face painting and stuff like that, and the mum just sat down at the table, just like, huh. And Terry just went over to a cup of tea place, picked up a cup of tea, brought it to her and said, oh, looks like you need this. And this woman just burst into tears. She says, why are you burst into tears? She said, last night I had a dream that someone brought me a cup of tea and you've just brought me a cup of tea. I love how God sees things. And Terry was just taking a cup of tea. We don't know the impact of just those little moments, of those little cup of tea moments when rather than looking down to blame, we're looking down to bless. Okay, so verse 5. Having said these things, well, look at this response, okay? This is, this, is like, uh, this is like weird place, okay? This is a weird story. This is the first time you've ever heard it. If you've been a Christian a while, you've heard this story before, you go, oh yeah, that's, that's fine. But if this is the first time you ever heard it, okay, this is weird. Just look at Jesus' response, okay? Having said these, Jesus, right, there's a blind man, okay? So blind man, now in front, blind man just stood there, innocently stood there, Jesus goes up to this blind man, all right, spits on the ground, okay, and makes mud with the saliva. He then, he says, anoints the man's eyes, okay. He, well, that's pretty gross, okay. He gets the mud with the Jesus spit, okay, and rubs it into the man's eyes. And if you don't think that's weird, then you're reading a different Bible to me. Go, wash in the pool of... Of course I'm going to wash. Okay, you just spat in my eyes. Who is this bloke? I'm just stood by the roadside. Suddenly, like, someone is, like, rubbing stuff into... What, is it spit? I don't know what is spit in my eyes. And he's like... And Jesus said, go and wash it into the pool of Siloam. So he went and he washed it. He came back seeing. Whoa, we love that bit. I love that bit. But let's be honest. If we ever look at this story and he spits on the ground and it makes the mud and it anoints the man's eyes and it sounds disgusting and it's pretty gross. Jesus, why did you do that? The answer actually comes a little bit later on. Let's see if we've got the slide. Verse 13 and 14. Why did Jesus do that? They brought the man to the Pharisees who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received the sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed them and now I can see again. Did you see? Okay, for those who are familiar with a Christian faith or with a Bible, well, I'm looking up there, it's not up there. Did, did you, did you, what, why did Jesus do that? Any, any, any thoughts? Why did Jesus spit on the ground? The clue was in that answer, in, in that verse 13. Well, okay. Now it was the Sabbath day. That, that's, that's it. That's the key. You, you have here something called the Sabbath day. Okay, let me explain this. Okay, th- th- there were some best ways to live out our life. We call it the Ten Commandments. 
Okay, we kind of make a lot of rules. If you live by these rules, then God will love you. It's the complete misunderstanding of what I think the Ten Commandments is about. It's like, if you live like this, then your life will be blessed. It's the best way to live. Not the way to earn salvation. Okay, this is the best way to live. And one of the best ways to live, okay, he talks about don't have idols in your life. Why do you have idols in your life? Because they just distract you about what's really important. What about honouring your mother? It's actually really good because, you know, just how we esteem and value our parents, that's a really good way to live our life. Why? Because you're going to get blessed as a result in the future. Yeah, this is a really, these are really good ways in which to live. Don't get angry. Don't murder. Why not murder? Don't even get angry. Why, why not to murder? Do you know, because anger is so unresolved in your life, it would just wreck and ruin you as well as other people's lives. This is really good. And one of those instructions that Moses received from God was this. Uh, it, it, you know, follow the Sabbath, observe the Sabbath, have the day of rest. So the day of rest, this Sabbath day, okay, was meant to be, honestly, was meant to be for our benefit. It's for us, it's for me. It, it's for, because I will go cranky if I don't rest. In my body, you know, I work hard at creating this body. Okay, but if this, what? But if I don't rest my body, if I don't rest my mind, then I won't be able to work hard the rest of the time. Resting up is, is, is good for me. It keeps my focus. It, it, it builds my faith and it's not all about me. You know, I've got to keep going. If I don't do this, then it'll all fall apart. No, it won't. My dependency is not about me. My dependency is on God. But if I don't keep working, then I won't make enough money. And all these all of my competitors, they're working seven days a week. If I don't work seven days, then I'm going to lose a slice of that percentage of what they're getting, and I'm going to, I'm going to suffer. No, it's not. God will look after you. This is a faith thing. It'll grow your faith. Look, it's for my benefit. So why is the Sabbath so important in this one? Okay, because the Lord says to us, you need to have a break. You can't keep going. You need to eat. It's, a real, it's for our benefit. It's for our, it's for our good. But it got so twisted to the point that Giving a blind man his sight was seen as sinful. So spitting on the ground was like propagating the soil. It was like watering the soil. You're not allowed to water the soil on the Sabbath. And kneading it into like a little mud bowl. You're not allowed to do that because kneading, it's like, that's work. That's like making bread. You can't do that. It's, it's against the law to do that got so twisted that Jesus said, you know what, I want you to know what my heavenly father's really like. My heavenly father is all about the blessing. And so he bends down, spits on the ground, makes the mud, puts it into the eyes. He said, I want you to know what the heavenly father's really like. You've got a twisted view of this. He wants to bless he wants to show you that God's all about the blessing. And Jesus stepped in into the blind man's story to show him what the heavenly father was really like. The, the man didn't know Jesus. He didn't ask to be healed and perhaps just innocently standing by the roadside. But Jesus stepped into his story. Look, I tell you, as you walk down Broad Street and High Street and every other street in Seaford, there's people around this afternoon that are waiting for you to step into their story so you can actively show and share what God is really like. It's not about us. It's not about us looking good. People might never know who we are. We might never know who paid for that shop. We might never know who brought that cup of tea. But it's not about us. It's all about us getting understanding that people understand what the Father's like. 
We may never know this side of heaven, the impact that we have, but let's do it anyway. Who's living in our community that we could bless? God wants you to bless people. That's his heart, that they're not forgotten. They're not alone. Jesus stepped in. He's changed the story. Where can we step in? Whose story can we change? You know, the, whose story? You know, there's people that, that, that you're going to know the stories of. Guess what? You, you, you're actually part, and I'm part of changing the story. And part of bringing a new conclusion to the end of the story. Each of us, every, every single one of us, if you've been here for a week, if you've been here eight years, there'll be people that you'll be walking around meeting and bumping into that you can either just put your head down and keep walking past and go, well, don't ask such awkward, embarrassing questions. Let's just move forward. Rather than stepping into the story and making a difference. You go, oh, things like that don't happen to me. Well, they seem to happen to my wife all the time. Because she's got her head up and she's listening. She's got her eyes, to, to excuse the pun, she's got her eyes open. She's not blind to what is going on around. So the Archbishop of Canterbury tweeted out recently, in response to a question, somebody asked, why isn't God doing anything about the huge problems in our world today? The violence, the animosity, the poverty, the division. And in response to the question, he said this, God has already done something he made us. We've been placed in this community for purpose to bless it and not to blame it. To, to look instead of blame, let's look to bless. Let's be a movement of blessing. Look to blame, not look to blame. Look to bless, reveals the Father's heart and changes the situations that one individual, that one individual also is not just the one, it's the two, it's the ten, it's the twenty, and do you know what? Before long, nations are changed. Step in, rewrite the story. Now, the context of this is the blueprint. So you'd be pleased to know that I'm trying to now link it into your blueprint booklet. Shoehorn it in that the Great Commission... He said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, I know what the Great Commission. Okay, what is the Great Commission? As quoted at the back end of Matthew's Gospel, what, what was the Great Commission? Any takers? Excellent. Okay, I have about five variations of the same thing about going to the world, uh, baptizing people, and making disciples. Are you familiar with that? Okay. Did anyone say, go into the world, baptizing people, make disciples of all nations? See, the danger is that we can have a view of discipleship which is very small and narrow. That we think discipleship is just about behavioral correction. That we think someone's behavior might get a little bit better if we spend the next 10 years with that person they might not swear quite so much. Okay? And, and we think that that is what discipleship is about. This is about going into the world, baptizing people in the name of God, okay? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but it's about going in and changing nations, making disciples which change nations. We're nation-changing. Now, what started with a blind man on the roadside that Jesus went and spat in his face and blessed him... I'm not recommending that unless God leads you, by the way, when you're going down Broad Street later on. But actually, the situations that what happened a couple of thousand years ago back then is actually what impact does that have on us now? 
Where can I go and be a blessing? And God has called what started with a handful of people back in Jerusalem. Those few people that Jesus said, go into the world, make disciples of all nations. Guess what? Now in Seaford, that has arrived with us and the mandate that we have is exactly the same. To be a movement of blessing. To reveal what the Father's heart is all about. And when we understand the Father, people go, I want to be, I want to know the Father. I want to be a child of God. And the child of God is literally a disciple of, of him, a follower. A little image of God populating the world. Going to the nations. And you go, oh, can we do, we're, we're kind of like this little bunch of people, 120 people. You know. I know that previous weeks, you are now empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and do this. You have everything in your arsenal to go and do this, just like 120 people 2,000 years ago had everything in it. And within a very short space of time, everyone in the known world at the time kind of knew about it. When Jesus sent out these disciples in Luke chapter 11, he sent out, do you remember the number of people he sent out? It, well, I'd say it was 72. Why 72? Because the 72 represented all the known world at the time. 72 known nations in the world. Sent out 72. Why? Because this is a nation-changing message. God has called us to impact communities. God has called us to plant churches. God has called us to reach nations. God has called us. And some of you are going, what, me? Yes, you. Honestly, you. You. You look around, you go, no, not him. But yes, yes, even him. Uh, it's true. Wow, no way. No. If you think you can't do it, well done. You've got the point. That is the point. We can't do it, but we need to live in the impossible. Just like Jesus walked along and blessed out of the impossible. We need to believe that actually God has called us to this with all authority on heaven and earth to go and do this, to step into the impossible and to achieve what God has called us to. So it's called us to. The nations. I love this, running a rooted course. You, you wanted me on earlier so we could finish early to worship. And I'm just, <laughs> you forget that plan. So, and you got the generosity bit at the start, didn't you? That was free. So we're running uh, our membership rooted course over in Eastbourne at the moment, okay? And it's just crazy. It's in Hamden Park, so we have four people from Kenya on it, some from Tanzania. We have a whole family from Ghana, two from Zimbabwe. Uh, from Nigerians on that, one from Mauritius, one from Brazil, and one from Heathfield and Hailsham. Oh, wow. The nations in little sleepy Eastbourne and the nations. This is a nation-changing group here. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Bless, to be a movement of blessing by stepping in and changing one person's life or a community's life. Let's not minimize this because Seaford, it isn't just about having a backwater situation with a handful of people. And this is about nation change. This is about community changing. This is not about some remnant of people who vaguely believe in Jesus who kind of like, well, we're, we're clinging on. Society's gone downhill, but we're holding. We're the, we're the faithful remnant. This is not about the faithful remnant. This is about the people of God empowered by his spirit to change this town, to make it rock for Jesus. Okay, That's what we're here for. And Chinkton community isn't about putting on bouncy castles. It's so that ultimately that they meet Jesus and their lives are turned around because we want to introduce them to a heavenly father who loves them. That's why it's good to invest it. 
That's why we give ourselves to it, because the gospel is always going to be good news, and we've got to start believing that once again. 120 people in an upper room, single generation, massively transformed the known world, and it's the same with us. Don't settle for the renewal of the church, but it's the restoration of our communities. What starts with a blind man ends here with us in Seaford at this time. The presence of Jesus changed one man. The presence of Jesus in us will change millions. It's called the movement of blessings. It's called the church. That's the beauty of the local church. We carry the very blessing and the presence of Jesus where we go. And he wants us to change lives when we step into the story. Let's change the stories. We know it's not us, but we'll point to the one who can. So let's come and break bread together right now.